0: David says, Let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. So notice the deliverance that David is asking for. He's saying, God, you have said something. There's a word. There's something that you've given me. There's something you've promised me. And God, I need you to deliver me according to that word. So let's look at a couple things this morning. Look at 1 Samuel 17, if you would, with me. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I want to encourage you to come back. Next week, when pastors here and uh, our goal and desire is to just take and, and search the scriptures, go verse by verse through a text and and see what the Lord says and see how that will apply to our lives uh, today. So I hope that when you leave here today, that uh, you feel like you know God better, you know His Word, what it says, and, and you're ready to, to to live it out in your life. But First Samuel chapter seven, seventeen, and verse thirty-seven, uh, the, the Scripture says this: David said, "Moreover." The Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. All right, so David, there were instances in his life in which he attributes God's hand of deliverance in his life. He said one time there was a bear he was coming after me. And and God delivered that bear into my hand. There was a time that there was a lion. And that lion was coming after me. And God delivered me. He, He slew that bear and he slew that lion and he says, "God gave me that deliverance you know in david 's day they didn 't have you know forty four magnums and you know thirty out sixes. How many understand uh, in david 's day, if you went against a bear, you were pretty much dead yeah so so David realizes the fact that he was able to kill this bear he was able to kill this lion that was of God, God delivered him into my hand, and he says this this philistine, this great giant goliath god 'll deliver him god 'll deliver me from him as well and so God delivered David from the lion, from the bear, and from Goliath. Uh, Look at 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23. And verse 14, we see here that God delivered David out of the hand of Saul, King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 14, the scripture says, And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day But God delivered him not into his hand. What did God do? God delivered him out of Saul's hand. Saul sought him every day to get him. And God said, nope, you're not going to have him. I will deliver him out of your hand. Now, at this part right here, there's something very interesting. By this point, David had been promised something on which he could take take hope that that he was not going to be delivered into the hand of Saul, that that, that Saul was not going to be able to kill him. How could David have known this? Well, hold your place here and look at uh, First look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1, the scripture says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So if you remember the children of Israel, uh, God was their king. And after a while, they, they saw the other nations around them. And the other nations had a king. And Israel said, you know what? We want to be like the other nations. Give us a king. And it was, you know, in disobedience to God, uh, the, the children of Israel asked for that. And God gave them a king. He gave them King Saul. King Saul disobeyed God. He half-heartedly obeyed him. And, and so, you know, that half-obedience was complete disobedience, according to the scriptures. And King Saul disobeys God, and he loses the throne. He loses the fact that that his throne would continue to his sons and his sons. And so God says, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, he says, go get me. You're going to go anoint for me a king that I provided for myself among the sons of Bethlehem. Of Bethlehem the Bethlehemite, Jesse. So you guys know the account where Samuel goes and stands before all the sons of Jesse. And he's got tall sons. He's got big sons. He's got, you know, good looking sons. And Samuel's like, well, what about the firstborn? You know, the firstborn's always the king. And God says, nope, not him. I've I've rejected him. And David wasn't even in the running in this choice, right? They they go through all the sons of Jesse. Samuel says, God, you said you'd have one of these guys be king. And God had rejected each of them as they went through. And uh, Samuel asked Jesse, do you, do you have another son? And Jesse said, well, yeah, I've got, you know, a little twerp out there keeping the sheep. Well, well, it's he. And Samuel says, go get him. And it's David. And the scripture here in verse number 12 picks up the account. He says, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. How many of you guys getting ready for man camp? You think, man, that's pretty cool. He was was ruddy. He was out there, man. He had been, you know, hauling sheep around. He smelled like sheep. He had mud all over him. He was a ruddy man. But check this out. For all the girls, and with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. So he was every girl's dream guy. He was ruddy. He was a man, but he was a good-looking dude. I think that really applies to my life right there. (laughs) And the Lord said... Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So in this chapter, God says, David, you're going to be king. I've anointed, I've had Samuel anoint you to be king. Well, when David's running for his life, he hadn't become king yet. He's escaping out of the hand of Saul. The Bible says every day, every day he's running from Saul. But you know what? David could take hope in this fact. You know, there was a day that I stood and my family was watching and Samuel poured that oil over my head and God said, you're going to be king. So David says, God, deliver me according to your word. There was a promise to David that God had made and David took great refuge in that promise and knew that if what for what God said, if, if God's going to make me king, well, I can't die before I become king. This, this God, deliver me according to your word. So David had physical deliverances, and specifically with Saul coming after him, he could take hope in the fact that God told him that he would be king, that God had made him a promise. You know, David also looked forward to a future deliverance. If you would look with me at Psalm 17. Psalm 17. You know, there was a a day in David's life when he died. The Bible says in Acts chapter, I think it's 13 or 17, he said that David, when he was full of days and had fulfilled his generation by the word of God, he had fulfilled God's plan for his life. The Bible says this, he fell on sleep. And the Bible often in the New Testament describes death for the believer as being asleep in Christ, asleep in Jesus. David fell on sleep. And what the scripture here in Psalm 17 says, David was able to look forward to a future deliverance. He said in verse number 13, 17, 13, He said, Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword, from men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world, which have their portion in this life, and whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure. They are full of children, and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. As for me, I will behold thy faith thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. David knew there was a coming day of resurrection for him, that God would deliver him from death, deliver him, raise him again from the dead. And he looked forward to that. He said, I, when I awake, I'll be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to see as a New Testament believer how that fits in for us here later on. But I, I want you to see this. If you would turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, David asks God to deliver him according to his word. As a believer, having the scriptures, let's see how God has promised to deliver us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 8, Paul here speaking, writing this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Corinth. He says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. The Scripture has just taught you, and it shows us as a believer, that God has delivered us with a great deliverance. That there is, what the Bible describes as, there is so great a death that is coming. There's so great a death that it's so inexplainable. It's so massive. It's so great. It's so intense and immense that God uses this little two-letter word to describe this death. He says it's so great. There is a so great death that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I have been delivered from. Let's examine that this morning. We've been delivered from so great a death. What we're going to see from verse 10, this is the outline from verse 10, God's delivered us from so great a death, He doth deliver, and He will yet deliver us. Now tonight, we're going to look at the He will yet deliver us. We're going to look at the resurrection. It's going to be awesome. So be back here tonight at 5.30. But this morning, we're going to look at how God has delivered us from so great a death, and He doth deliver. So what is this great death? Well, first of all, the Bible is clear that death is the result of sin. Physical death is the result of sin. Uh, look back with me at Genesis chapter 2. If you will, go back to the very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. Love it. We were looking at Psalm 119. The, the scripture says, thy word is true from the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning and see what God has said. He says that this is true. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. The scripture here says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Look with me, if you would, at chapter 3 in verse 19. In between these two passages, Adam and Eve, we know they take of that fruit, they eat of it, they sin against the Lord. And God is uh, telling them what's, what's happened as a result of that. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19, he says, "...in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread." till thou return unto the ground, for of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and into dust shalt thou return. God said, the day that you eat of that fruit, thou shalt surely die. Well, that day, they died spiritually. And they began to die physically. And God said, through this process of time, He said, you will return now to the dust of the earth. So we see here that death entered in because of sin. And the scripture uh, amplifies this. In Ezekiel 18, two times it says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It says in Romans 5.12, For as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. So the Bible declares very clearly that death is a result of sin. And not just Adam and Eve sinned, but all have sinned. We're all sinners. Not only have we inherited a sin nature from Adam and Eve, but we have chosen to sin and disobey God's word. Sin is any violation. It's transgressing the law. It's violating what God has said for us in his word. So the Bible is very clear that death is a result of sin. But it's also very clear, the Bible is very clear that there is a second death. There's a second death. There's, there's four instances in which the Scripture uses this term. Let's look at this. So, uh, you know, we, the physical death, we, we are, are, are acquainted with that. We've all experienced someone close to us uh, going through that. The Scripture here, if you would look with me at Revelation 20, describes a second death, though. A second death. Revelation chapter 20. And we'll start in verse number 11. Very last book of your Bible. Revelation chapter 20. According to their works. So John sees this great white throne and the small and the great stand before God. There there, there are men that were great and mighty in their day. And then there were men that were small and unknown and and they stand before God. And he says there, there were books that were opened and there was another book that was opened. And he said, these dead people, these dead men, they were judged out of the books and they were judged according to their works. The, the stuff that they had done in their lives they were judged according to their works, well, the Bible says in verse thirteen, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. You see how no one is escaping, no matter where they're, if they're in the sea, if they're in hell, if they're in, if they're dead, they stand before God. Verse number thirteen says, and they were uh, hell and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life. Remember, that's the other book that had been opened and, and, and there are names that are written in that book. We'll see that here in a moment. But if their name was not found in that book, the Bible says they were cast into the lake of fire. And the scripture says this lake of fire This is the second death. If you would, over in your Bible, look at Revelation 21 and verse 8. Verse 8, the scripture here says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all, what? Liars. Shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now notice in these two passages... There is no metaphorical language here. It's not they were cast into something that was like a lake of fire. They were not cast into something that appeared to be as a lake of fire. The scripture declares this second death is a lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. That's the second death. And the scripture says, you know, in all liars and, and, you know, how many times do you have to kill somebody to be a murderer? Just once, right? How many times would you have to steal something from Walmart to be a thief? Just once. How many times would you have to lie to be a liar? And that, the Scripture declares that we are all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, there's this second death, but is there any deliverance from this? Is there any way out? The Scripture, if you would look with me, at, um, look at uh, Revelation chapter 2. Look back at chapter 2. Revelation chapter two, and if you would look with me at verse 11, the scripture says here, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So there are people, there's a group of people here that, that they're not hurt by the second death. They don't experience that. And there are people that overcome. Now, the way that, we would say that today, you know, you think about, uh, Nathan, uh, where's Nathan, Arlene? Uh, there he is, okay. Did you guys win Friday night? Okay, so we could say, you know what, Nathan, now, did you play hard? Did you roll around in the mud and, you know, how many of you guys realized it rained a little bit Friday night? They went out and played football. And you know, you, you, you suffered through adversity, you, you tried your best, but you didn't overcome. You know what the other team did? They overcame. By a large margin? Right. <laughs> He's, Fifty points, that's not too big, you know. The Buckeyes yesterday, you know, they overcame. They overcame playing Florida high school, you know. A, um, my wife is just glad that Michigan overcame, you know, Yukon. Bob, he lost five pounds sweating that off last night, man. That was bad, yeah. The Bible says, you know, we think about overcoming today like, oh, the people that persevere and they overcome and they try really hard. And and you could, in our day, people will read that verse and say, see, you got to be good to the end, persevere, and you won't be heard of of the second death. Well, let's see what the scripture says about this. Look with me, if you would, at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Those that overcome, they will not be heard of the second death. 1 John chapter 5 just that little book right a couple of books before revelation first john chapter 5 and verse 4 now notice what the scripture says for whatsoever is born of god what overcometh the world okay so the overcoming the world that means you have to be born of god uh, jesus said it this way you must be born again Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Ye must be born again. You see, the Bible is declaring for us here what it means to be, uh, in that Revelation 2, to him that overcometh. It's somebody that's overcome the world. It, it, it's somebody that's born of God. Well, let's see if God uh, gives us more information here. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So they're not, we're not saved by hanging on and persevering and doing our best. No, we're saved by faith. And we're born of God. The Bible says it this way in John 1. But as many... As received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So those that overcome are those that have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and they have been born again by the Spirit of God through faith. Look what else he says in verse number five. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? What do you have to believe to be saved? That Jesus is the Son of God, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what it means. That, he's saying, so in Revelation 2, when he says, to him that overcometh, you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, you've overcome, you won't be heard of the second death. Look with me, if you would, at, uh, let's see, another group of people that overcome the second death. If you would look at uh, Revelation you know, if you're still there, First John 5, I wanted to read a couple more verses. First John 5, he says in verse number 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know how you escape the second death? You have eternal life. And that's by receiving Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior. He that has the Son has life. He That second, second death won't touch him. But he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And they'll stand in that day and be judged according to their works. The Bible says... There's none that doeth good. No, not one. They will be cast into that lake of fire, that second death. And then uh, look with me, if you would, at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20, and uh, look at verse number 4. "'And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus.' "...and for the word of God, which uh, had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection." So there are those that are raised in the first resurrection. The verse 6 says this of them, "...blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power." but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the Bible identifies this group of people that takes part in the first resurrection and the second death will have no power upon them. So the second death that can be escaped and in our text, Paul says that God who delivered us from so great a death, you know, if Christ is your savior this morning, if you asked him to save you by faith and placed your trust in him, God says, You'll, you're delivered from that second death. Let's look at a couple of verses that show that we've been delivered from something. This is Think about this. Sometimes this happens with the scriptures. God has delivered you from something that hasn't happened yet. That's kind of cool, but God's outside of time. And he says, I've delivered you from something that hasn't happened yet. So we can take great hope in the fact that we've been delivered. Uh, look with me, if you would, at John chapter 5 and verse 24. John chapter 5 and verse 24. We read in 1 John that if we have the Son, we have life. We have life by believing in His name. We're born again, born of God. John chapter 5 shows us what happened when we believed. John chapter 5, verse 24, uh, Jesus says here, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. All right, so now he's going to tell us something that's true about someone who has eternal life. So if you have eternal life, this is true of you. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. They've passed from death unto life. So a person who is born again... They have passed from death unto life. Well, does that mean we get to escape of physical death? Uh, well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. See what he's saying here. Ephesians chapter 2. Many of you guys are familiar with the verse. It talk about uh, how God has quickened us in Christ. But it would be real helpful for us to look at these verses this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. You've, if you're born again, if you have the everlasting life, this eternal life... You have passed from death unto life. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. All right, so you were walking around, but you were dead. You were dead spiritually. And he says, You were dead, you were in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And we know that's Satan. And 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 we all had our conversation. We had our lifestyle, just just doing whatever this, whichever direction this world was going. That that's where we were headed. And uh, verse three says, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, fulfilling the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Here's an amazing spiritual truth. As someone who is born again, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, even though you're here. Spiritually, God has positioned you to where you are in Christ, you are seated with Him. We just haven't realized that yet. And there's coming a day in which he will yet deliver us. We get to look at that tonight. But the scripture here shows that God has quickened us. He's made us alive. We're born again. We have passed from a spiritual death. We've passed from death unto life. Let's look at a couple other verses. If you would look with me at um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. God has delivered us as believers from so great a death. And this is where I want you to see, again, God has delivered us from something in the future. He's delivered us from something that hasn't taken place yet, but it will come to pass. First Thessalonians chapter 1, and verse 9. The scripture here says, "...for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God." And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So you and I, we've been delivered from so great a death. We've been delivered from the wrath to come. We have a great Savior this morning, don't we? He has the ability to save us. He has the power to save us. And I want you to think about this. If God was the one who was going to deliver David from a lion. Do you think that lion stood a chance at overcoming God? That bear, you think that bear stood a chance at taking out David? If God said, I'm going to deliver you. You Do you think that Saul stood an inkling of 1% of a chance of killing David? If God said, no, he's going to be king. There wasn't a chance. What is the chance of you, as a New Testament Christian, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're born again, what is the chance that you would spend a second in that second death? There's not a chance. You have been delivered. (laughs) We have been delivered from so great a death. I mean, there are people that have near-death experiences and it changes their life, right? I mean, people, that they realize, oh man, all this stuff that I was living for, it's just really not that important. Paul says, that the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which loved them and gave himself for them. You know what? When you realize that you've been delivered from so great a death, it really ought to make you want to live for Jesus Christ. And say, if he would deliver me, if there is not a chance that I will ever spend one half of a minute in that lake of fire, that's so great a deliverance because that's what I deserve. But he's delivered us and we wait for the son from heaven because he's coming to deliver us from that wrath. We have been delivered. These are the promises of God. A little Dave McCracken moment there. Um, Look at Colossians 1:13 with me if you would. Colossians 1:13. As a believer, looking at things that God has delivered us from, he's delivered us from so great a death. Colossians here, chapter 1 and verse number 12 says this. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers Of the inheritance of the saints in light. Man, that is a loaded phrase. All kinds of cool stuff in there. God has made you meet. He's given you the ability and brought you up to the standard to obtain the inheritance. Really cool. Don't have time to get into it today. That's awesome. Verse 13 Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom. Of his dear son, you remember Ephesians two says you were dead in trespasses and sins. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. But God says, so as a believer, He has delivered you from that power of darkness. has no It has no authority in your life anymore. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. So man, we've been delivered from so great a death. We've been delivered from a spiritual death, and we've been delivered from that second death as a believer. Well the look with me if you would at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 or where were we are Second Corinthians chapter I think chapter 1 Second Corinthians chapter 1 and we'll look back at uh, our text here when we jumped into the New Testament if you remember David he experienced these deliverances in his life as a as a Christian Paul says here there's some very cool things about deliverance for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, he says that God, who raises, but, but God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver. Now, I love it. There are times in Scripture when you can kind of read something two ways and you're not going to be wrong either way. God, every day, delivers me from that second death. If I die today, go out into eternity because I know Christ is my Savior. He doth deliver me. Every day that I live, we sin, right? And we deserve that punishment. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, He delivers us every day from that second death. But this is also true in this sense. The Lord delivers us every day as a Christian. Look, look with me, if you would, at, uh, look at Romans chapter 7. God has delivered me from this second death. But God gives me victory as I trust Him every day. Look at this. Romans chapter 7. And this is where we're going to find out. This is where it will help you in your everyday lot walk with the Lord. Romans chapter 7. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 21. The scripture here says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. All right, now everybody look up here. How many of you, you've ever wanted to do the right thing but evil was present with you. <laughs> you, know, you. You know you're supposed to do something as a Christian, You know, maybe witness to somebody, maybe come to church. You know, you know you're supposed to do something. And then that other voice in your head. Some of you have many voices in your head. But that other one, you're like, oh man, I want to do right, but NASCAR's uh, on today <laughs> or whatever. He says, he, Paul's with you. He says, when I would do good, uh, I find that evil's there. You know, you know you're not supposed to do something, teenager. You know you're, you're at school. You know there's something you're not supposed to do. Something you're at home. You know your parents are gone. And there's something you know you're not supposed to do. And that's the one thing you keep thinking about doing, right? You, you, you find then a law. He says in verse number 22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Yeah, as a believer, you read the scriptures and, and you see the word of God and you say, Man, that's right. That's just. That's, that, that's good. That's holy. He says in verse 23, But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. You ever felt that way? Man, I, I know what's right. This is really good. But, and we have the temptation to sin, make that other decision. Well, this, Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You ever, have you ever just had one of those days where you're like, you know, it'd be really awesome if the rapture happened today? say, God, who who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I'm tending to do that. I'm I'm sick and tired of this world and the temptation. I'm done with it. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. You and I make a choice every day. Will we serve God? Or will we serve the law of our flesh, the lusts of our flesh? Look at what He's provided for us. He sets chapter 7 up. The the Holy Spirit gives us more information in the chapter preceding. Look at Romans chapter 6. Look at what He has said in uh, verse 11. Romans chapter 6. So Paul says, I thank God because through Jesus Christ, He'll deliver me from the body of this death. Well, verse 11 says this of chapter 6. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We saw that... We were dead in trespasses and sins, but now we're alive, we're quickened. And he says, yield your members. And we know from the scriptures that our members, it's our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears. It's my whole body. I yield that to the Lord and say, Lord, this is yours. I'm not going to do things that you don't want me to do. I'm not going to look at things you don't want me to look at. I'm going to go places that you want me to go. And we yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto God, verse 14. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members and servants to uncleanness and iniquity to un, unto iniquity, even so now, today, yield yourselves, your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things, whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, God has delivered us from so great a death. But you know, God can deliver you today. That that, that fleshly lust, the sin, it, the Bible says that we're, we're crucified to that. We're, we're dead to it. And if we will yield ourselves to Him, God will help you, He'll enable you to live the Christian life. He'll, he'll enable you to obey Him and and, uh, and to walk with Him. As it says it this way, um, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, look with me, if you would, at Romans chapter 12. That's the verse that I'm quoting. I'm, I'm looking for the verse before it, though. Romans 12, 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you will yield yourself to God today, He'll deliver you from a life of sin and, 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 and from that that... Temptation that we have every day, the Lord will enable us to overcome that He doth deliver through his spirit it 's amazing you see in Romans chapter six how he says okay you 're dead to sin, and you can live for God. in Romans chapter seven, Paul says, Man, I, I know I can do that, but i 'm still struggling and then Romans chapter eight what 's it all about? He finds victory by living by doing all of that through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can help you to yield. Your body, your mind, to live for the Lord every day. That's something that every day you have the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will help you. So he says, Gotta look, it's really good. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You're delivered from so great a death who walked not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And he talks in verse number. Uh, three, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and forcing, condemned sin in the flesh. And He goes on through that chapter to say, man, if Christ is in you, the, the Holy Spirit of God is in you, you can live and yield yourself to God every day. And as you do that, you'll have fruit unto righteousness, not this fruit unto sin and unto death. So my question to you this morning is this, have you been delivered from so great a death if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ to save you, you you've been delivered. But is God helping you? Are, are you yielding to Him every day and finding that deliverance over and over again, this deliverance from this body of sin, yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit and, and living out the Scriptures, living out the Christian life? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your love and Your uh, grace. I thank You, God, for delivering us from such a great death.